0: Hi, guys, it's Alex here, and providing a short interrupt from this week's podcast to tell you about Sasdoc 2022. You might have heard from most of our guests that they are coming to Dublin on the 17th to the 19th of October to speak at Sasdoc 2022. You may not know that Christoph Jan's managing partner of Point9 Capital calls it the best SaaS conference for founders, execs, and investors in Europe, period. Just today, I was on LinkedIn and SaaS founder Will Reed, who's the CEO of Sideway Six, called it the best SaaS event out there. Thanks, Will. We think he's right. So let's dig in. 2022 is the conference for you if you're a SaaS founder or exec growing a SaaS company to 10 million ARR plus, anywhere from zero to 10 million ARR. And you want to learn how to do it, how to get there, how to surpass that figure. You want to learn how to overcome the odds, how to boost your velocity. You'll come away equipped from the conference with the tools to do this. The tools to accelerate your revenue, your team, and runway. You will learn from the best founders in the SaaS industry with amazing speakers like Des Trainer, co-founder of Inscom, Zeb Evans, co-founder at ClickUp, Hanno Ranner, co-founder at Personio, and Alina and Nicholas Vandenberg, who are the co-founders of Chili Piper. There's 150 speakers across four stages including a state dedicated to bootstrappers. If you're not bootstrapping, there's 400 VCs coming to Dublin to meet with founders from pre-seed through to growth stage. In 2019, there was around 10,000 meetings that we recorded through our app. So if you want to meet VCs, this is the place to be this year. The networking is also second to none. It includes workshops, pub crawls, dinners, parties and much more. Mads Wettercorp, CEO of Dream Influencers, attended in 2019 and he said, Sastop is very likely the most awesome SaaS conference in the world. The secret to getting maximum value is all of the after-hour events. It's during the dinners and the after-parties that the real connections are made. Thanks for that Mads. If you're a SAS founder or part of the exec team of a SAS company you want to meet your peers, you want to grow your business past 10 million ARR, you want to meet investors to fund your SaaS company, you want a few days to inspire you, then you need to be at SASDoc 2022 at the RDS, 17th through the 19th of October in Dublin, Ireland. Come and join the fun. Get your ticket now at sasdoc.com forward slash SASDOC slash 2022. Use code SaaSrevolution, all lowercase in one word, for a 30% discount. That's code SaaSrevolution.com. For 30% discount. Now on with the show.
1: Unless your employees feel the values of your brand internally, they really feel that actions that themselves are taking to align with the brand values, then it's really, really impossible to have that brand outside. First, you have to be Chili Piper inside and then Chili Piper outside. That's why for us, uh, the company trip is very important to have alignment and cohesiveness around uh, our employees, which otherwise are working remotely and are in front of Zoom screens. So it's a lot harder for them to leave those uh, moments with us.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma. And I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show. I'm your host, Alex Thiemers, CEO of SaaS.com, and I'm joined today by Alina Vandenberg, who's the co-founder and co-CEO, of Chili Piper. Uh, Welcome, Alina. Great to have you here.
1: Thank you, Alex, for having me.
0: Great to have you on the, I think, the podcast for the first time. Uh, This is uh, a little bit in advance of yourself and uh, uh, Nicholas, who's your other co-founder, co-CEO, joining us uh, uh, at Sastock 2022 in Dublin this October, Um, so very excited for that. We had both of you Nicholas actually speak at one of our Sastock Blueprint uh, uh, virtual events last year, and we we, we love that session. It's available on YouTube for those that that want to uh, uh, listen and watch that uh, particular episode. Um, but Alina, uh, we always ask our guests to, to kind of start off um, who, who they are. Um, so uh, I'm going to uh, start the same with you. you know, who is Alina uh, Vandenberg?
1: I was born in uh, communist Romania from parents of very modest means. Um, for us, even books were luxurious. And uh, we, um, so I started working very early on. I started working maybe when I was around nine years old or so. To make sure that I can pay for uh, necessities for school, and I started uh, working. Uh, I guess looking back, uh, it's called entrepreneurship. At that time, I wasn't uh, aware that that's what I was doing. In all sorts of, uh, I was coming up with all sorts of uh, ways to earn money uh, by helping neighbors, by selling all sorts of products. And uh, eventually, I fell in love with computers. I did a master in computer science. I um, did uh, what I thought I wanted to do, which is to climb uh, the corporate ladder in uh, America. I started as an intern. I quickly got promoted because I um, started working uh, on mobile at that time. And there were very few people that had um, experience in mobile and I was interested in it. One of the first apps that I uh, built was uh, immediately keynoted uh, and announced with the iPad by Steve Jobs. Uh, it was a big win for our, car, for our company because it was uh, an app that was preloaded with uh, the iPad. As you can imagine, it got a huge um, reach. And then since then, I noticed that I had a talent for building products that had very high engagement. I, was, I did it for many industries, for finance, for media, for healthcare and, um, and, and for education as well. Uh, but I realized that I was not quite made for the corporate world. I was um, very uh, antithetical to climbing the political ladder because I had zero political bones in me. I had—I was a builder, and I am a builder. I um, started my own company in 2016, Chili Piper, and the rest is history.
0: And, uh, uh, and a good history of that. Th- thanks for sharing that, and I think you. Uh, you definitely stake the claim to one of the the youngest, uh, uh, earliest starting entrepreneurs, um, you know that we've had on the podcast. But as you said, like out of uh, uh, necessity, um, and I think you know, obviously that that upbringing has you know, seemingly sort of led you to to obviously be where uh, where you are now. And uh, uh, and where you are now is the co-founder and uh, and co-CEO of, of Chili Piper. Um, so I'd love to hear the founding story uh, behind Chili Piper. And also just about why, like, the co-CEO uh, uh, sort of decision as well, because you do hear it from time to time, but it, it, it's not necessarily the norm. So uh would love to get a bit of insights into both. Uh,
1: so the co-founding story is uh, probably a bit more unusual. My uh, co-founder and husband was, at that time, a serial entrepreneur. He was starting his fifth business. He's, uh, I guess, what uh, in the startup world we call a hustler, He is very, very good at marketing, very good at sales, very good at operations, and um, very good at fundraising and all the process it takes to uh, build a company. And he felt like he was missing the product, uh, the the builder mindset that I had. And he felt like he, that we would make a great team. At that time, I wasn't uh, fully convinced that uh, it was in the stars for me, but he kept insisting and finally i gave in and i said uh, i'm going to do it but with one condition if i'm the ceo (laughs) and um, we started uh, knowing that we wanted to tackle business critical needs uh, within the revenue teams because he had the experience on that i was exposed constantly to how the sales teams are um, are working and i was responsible at some point to building software for them as well And I felt that there was a huge uh, need to uh, equip the sales teams and revenue teams to do what they know to do best, which is to get um, with prospects and sales and and customers on the call to make the deal happen. And the rest is just nuisance for them. And we wanted to solve for the nuisance and bring as many uh, meetings as as we could possibly can in front of them so that they can more than meet their quota. Uh, we weren't quite sure how we're going to start that uh, business. So we started experimenting and talking to customers and we only, um, figured out how we're going to, to do it when a company in San Francisco was ready to pay in advance for us to build a solution for them to solve for a need that they had at that time. We asked a few people around if they also had that problem, they did. And that's when we made it a product and slowly built up from there, uh, to constantly, uh, Solve for business critical
0: needs. I'm sure you've been asked this question before. Uh, I'll, I'll ask it um, uh, anyway. But like, I guess not necessarily what it's like to to work with your uh, with your partner, your husband or or, or your wife. Um, but what is it like to be co CEO and like what is the secret of being co CEO to somebody that you're married to? Because uh, I guess lots of people do you know work with their uh, with their other halves. Um, but not necessarily you know, run a company together as co-CEOs. So I think for me, that's quite unusual. And I don't know if you've heard of any anybody else doing that. Um, I'm sure there probably is some cases. But yeah, as what is the imagine... what, what, what's the secret there?
1: I, I can, as you can imagine, uh, VCs were not very thrilled to see a husband and wife in front of them pitching. I don't think that um, people um, see it necessarily... When you look at it from a venture perspective, when you have to invest money and you look at the experiences that, uh, of people around you and couples and how they get along, then you see that that might be a problem because in general, um, couples after a while, after they spend a lot of time together, they tend to, uh, have a license to criticize one another. I don't know. I've, this is what I've noticed around me. I didn't have that problem. I've been married to Nicola for 14 14 years and we've been together for longer. We've never had that problem. We've always had very constructive ways of solving problems and we've always had a very uh, different approach to solving a problem. So whenever we would see something that was wrong, instead of saying, oh, you always do that or you are like that, like applying a label to the other, we always look at the problem. This is what I need. This is what you need. How do we solve for that problem? So our resolution um, process was always a lot, um, very seamless and we've always had a lot of respect for one another and we have, we're very, very different and at the same time, very respectful of the other's uh, point of view. And that is very reflected in how we make decisions at work as well. So it felt very natural to us, but I can see that it can be perceived as a uh, hard to do if you have that life experience where you constantly argue with uh, with your spouse and it's hard to reach resolution on important topics.
0: How, how do you do... I mean, just a quick example, like divvy up. Like as co-CEOs, like, what is it that you're responsible for and what is it that Nicolas is responsible for? Just understanding, you know, because I'm sure there are many CEOs that are listening to this, but how, how do you split that role?
1: So we... Uh, at the beginning, we started by... Um, uh, having me in the CEO role with all the duties that are associated with that, with all the decision-making process for where the company is going, and Nicola had the title of CRO, Chief Revenue Officer. I, uh, in after three years or so, I became pregnant and I was less equipped to handle all the decision-making that came with that responsibility. Uh, so we split it differently. He was CEO and I was chief product officer. I was focusing solely on the product. And now that I have two beautiful boys that have now, uh, they're one year old and uh, three year old, we decided that, uh, it's back to, uh, put the titles that are reflective of what we do because every important decision we don't take without consulting one another. I, um, uh, I'm a lot more focused on right now on marketing, on um, on cultural things that we do at Chili Piper. I am also focused a lot on uh, on product, of course, because that's my background. And Nicola is uh, sales, customer success, and now he's uh, very involved with the engineering team as well.
0: Awesome! Thanks, thanks for sharing that. And can you give the audience, um, listeners, and viewers like a little bit of a picture, some like data? on the company. So, you, you know, how big is Chili Piper now? You know, it's sort of revenue, how many employees, global locations, money raised, this sort of thing. What metrics can you share?
1: Sure. Um, so we have 250 employees in 42 countries. So we're quite, uh, distributed by now. We, we started remote, uh, only since 2016. So it's, uh, it's not something that has happened just because of COVID. And, um, we are uh, on track to be at the end of the year thirty-something uh, million dollars in AR. That's double from last year. We've um, our last financial transaction uh, gets us close to a uh, billion dollars. So we're kind of, depending on where you look at the trends and the financial data, uh, considered a unicorn. And um, we have. Uh, what else? We also have a foundation. We started the, that foundation a bit early on, and we've pledged a million dollars from that. Those are some of the numbers that I can share.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Um, and I guess, kind of, like we're, we're soon or shortly going to talk about um, the the topic that we sort of decided was about you, you know it's being naive to thinking that you've got a great product, um, uh, and if you have a great product, that you've made it. Uh, but just before that, can you share maybe sort of like one or two like key lessons from building Chili Piper to date that you think would be, you know, uh, applicable or interesting to our audience?
1: I uh, can think of a few things that would have been useful for me. Maybe a few years back, I um, because I kept building products that getting engagement and were uh, used by millions of users i was very confident in my skill set of building a product that's um that has engagement and people love what i wasn't um, quite understanding when in my uh, past work was how important the brand is in that process because i was building uh, um, products for companies that already had a brand. So when you build something for Bloomberg, Bloomberg is already known, people will already check it out. If you build something for Pearson, Pearson is already known, they're, they're going to check it out. And uh, in, in healthcare, uh, the company that I was working uh, for was uh, had some investors from Opera and, and uh, Dr. Oz, so those are already brands that are known. At that time, I didn't give as much credit to building a brand and that's something that I wish I was a lot more cognizant of at the beginning to spend a lot more time on. I already did on, more of a, out of intuition, but not out of fully understanding uh, the, the importance of that. And secondly, I felt also quite naive in my understanding of what marketing really is when it apl- when it's applied correctly to Uh, product and all the components that go into a stellar marketing team to be able to go to market uh, at scale. I think those are the two uh, big lessons in the past uh, six months for me that have, uh, I wish I could go back in time and say, Alina, pay attention a lot more to marketing, pay a lot of attention, much more attention to brand. Uh, And uh, I think we would have scaled a lot faster if I would have doubled my energy on it.
0: So n- now you have this uh, realization, uh, you know, awareness about how crucial brand, you know, and, uh, and go-to-market is to achieve greatness, uh, I-, I think, as you said. And uh, it would be interesting to see uh, or, or your view on what, what is greatness. Um, but with a great product, I think you can do a lot. But to thrive, you need, you know, great marketing, great go-to-market, you know, strong brand. So let's go a little bit deeper into this. Like, um, How did you come to the realization, you know, kind of first of all? And then also, like, what what is greatness? I'm curious to know.
1: I um, understood uh, the importance of a brand by watching uh, some entrepreneurs around me who have been doing that very well with a product that might have not been the best in breed, but... Um, had table stakes features and uh, by building a brand that people recognize and people aligned behind they managed to get a lot more market share than it would have been expected from the product that they've had and um by spending time watching those entrepreneurs, i understood that they were doing things that i was not doing and um Just uh, being exposed to a lot more marketers, a lot more people in those fields, I kept asking questions, but why do you do that and how do you do it and why do you think about it this way? Why do you prioritize it this way? Until I got to um, the understanding that it was making a huge impact for them and it was silly for us to not uh, power um, that engine as well.
0: Can uh, can you share, I mean, if if you're happy to do so, you know, who were these companies or entrepreneurs and and what was it that they were doing that you weren't doing?
1: I guess a good example that people can resonate with is HubSpot. At the beginning, HubSpot was not very, was not well known for the product, right? Everybody knew Dharmesh because he was always present and always visible and their content was really, really good. Their product at the beginning wasn't there yet. It took them some time until HubSpot really become became something that was uh, uh, widely spread. They had a uh, uh, sidekick that went viral um, and, and they got a lot of attraction at that time. Uh, now their CRM is free and has really good features. And it wasn't always the case. And yet HubSpot was very well known. And the reason why HubSpot was very well known was because the brand that uh, Brian and Dharma Shah had built was very strong. That's a good example to, of, of somebody that I've, I've watched.
0: Yeah, no, very, very, uh, a very good example. Um, uh, and yeah, I mean, I remember the, I don't know if they still have, um, was it the inbound marketing community, or, or uh, but there was some sort of like forum that was run, which was like hugely popular. Um, I remember in 2016 anyway, I, I used to like, you know, uh, look at it, but, uh, uh, and Damesh was very much in, involved, but I, I'm not sure if he, he uh, or I don't think he still is uh, anymore, if if that still exists or not. But uh, uh, but a good example. And then, so in terms of then, what you you need to do to um, really kind of address? Okay, we've got a great product, uh, and but now we're going to need to do these other things, right? and we need to have a real focus on great marketing and great go to market, really build this brand. So, what is it that you're now? You have this realization that you're doing. Like, what's in in the plan? What are you doing now, and what what's coming up?
1: Um, I think that uh, if if I understood your your question correctly, is uh, once you understood that the, the brand is uh, and marketing is important, what actions one would take to uh, amplify the volume there?
0: Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. What are you specifically doing? Yeah. Uh,
1: the first step is it has to match you as a founder. The brand has to match you as a founder. Otherwise it's very unnatural to take action. And um, from the beginning, I knew what the brand standed for. I just didn't amplify those values, but that's kind of the, the the stable stakes is what, how do you want your brand to be seen? How do you want your brand to be represented? And based on that, take actions that amplify those values. So for me, I knew that I'm going to win if I do everything in my power to help my customers succeed beyond just using the product, helping them succeed in their role with information that I might have on the industry, with benchmarks, with um, introducing them with somebody who might help them solve a problem. So I was so focused on helping our customers without knowing that it was brand, but that is brand. The fact that you spend a lot of time to bring a lot of value to your customers beyond your product that is a value and that was uh, highlighted that from the very i don't know day 0 on our on our value uh, proposition on our on our company page help the second one that was also part of my personality i felt that like every b2b brand out there and every enterprise software that i was looking at was be- very very boring like i was looking at uh, at that time uh, sa um, uh, Seaball, I was looking at uh, software that Oracle was launching, even Salesforce, it feels so antiquated and it feels so boring. And I was so afraid of building something that I was dreading and that's something that I wasn't, uh, uh, in alignment with. I, um, my life is very unusual. It's anything, anything but boring. I spend a lot of time, um, doing things that others probably would consider crazy i uh, for instance i go to i went to egypt at the time when there was a revolution in Tahr- in takhir square i went to Kyiv uh, after um, the russians attacked not this time but the last time the russians attacked i went to Kiev and i w- was there and kind of watched the uh, tanks uh, in in the in the main square i like to understand the world at it de- at, at its depth <laughs> And I wanted the brand to be representative of that um, thirst that I have for, um, uh, for knowledge. And at the same time, um, leave every day as if it's the last one, make the most out of it through fun and, 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 and um, uh, also compassion. And as a result, we started doing all sorts of things in that, in that regard. We started uh, doing our own hot sauce that was part of the, part of the brand because it's Chili Piper. So the hot sauce was very natural. Um, we started doing all sorts of songs about our brand and distributing that and involving our customers through the playfulness of it. And at the same time, um, the, the third uh, value that's also important to me, which is to, Give back to the world and its beauty and the diversity in the world, and started including all sorts of um, communities in our uh, in our reach that might otherwise not have been prioritized, paying a lot of attention to to diversity.
0: Um, no, the great great examples. I mean, look, I, for me, I mean, I don't know if I pay attention like um, uh, more than than you know, your average uh, Joe or, or, or Jane. But uh, I've certainly noticed, uh, you know, let's say the last 12, 24 months, um, all of these brand kind of plays or uh, that uh, uh, that Chili Piper's been running. And I think, you know, had you not done a chili, uh, a, uh, a hot sauce, <laughs> then, you know, you would have been doing uh, something wrong. I mean, that that obviously had to be done. And I quite enjoyed the, uh, the, the Chili Piper song, I think, that came out last year. I, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to... Uh, 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 do uh, sing a few verses, but uh, that, that 's optional, um, but de- definitely you can see how that works both i think you, you know um, externally well whether it 's external marketing but for customers, but also like in, like branding for hiring and you know for the team as well I think you know that's that 's just as important I think showing that you 've got a fun culture um, you know and a fun place to work and an interesting place to work uh, often there, there are these benefits of of, of branding. Within that, and, and from what you're doing, you know, for me, it looks like hey, you know, I think we're like taking the guys to Ibiza or Mexico, and we're recording these songs, and you, you know, we're, we're we're having fun along the way, and like, who wouldn't want to work for a company uh, like that? Um, you know, potentially some introverts or, or people, not fun people, right?
1: I don't think that people would uh, prioritize those kind of things if they wouldn't feel strongly that they're necessary in our case the annual trip that's legendary by now a lot of people have seen our videos of things that we do in Ibiza and the things that we've done in tulum it's uh you can see that if you're a founder and you don't really care about those things it's very unnatural that's why i think that the, the naturalness is, is an important fact but also Probably even more important is that unless your employees feel the values of your brand internally, they really feel that actions that themselves are taking to align with the brand values, then it's really, really impossible to have that brand outside. First, you have to be Chili Piper inside and then Chili Piper outside. That's why for us, uh, the company trip is very important to have alignment and cohesiveness around uh, our employees, which otherwise are working remotely and are in front of Zoom screens. So it's a lot harder for them to leave those uh, moments with us.
0: Just a thought, so like user conferences, you, you know, have you thought about that? Because I know you mentioned obviously HubSpot earlier and uh, Salesforce and uh, Gainsight, you know, for, for instance, some quite like more mature, shall we say, SaaS companies, That, you know, with brand and, you know, with their customers and users, they they started user conferences probably quite early and grown them into behemoths. But I I don't know if it's, it's fair to say, but I feel like I seem to be seeing less user conferences these days with SaaS companies, but also we have had, you know, COVID for the last few years, so... Um, you know that's probably had you know some part to do with it, but have you thought about from the the brand play and you know customer base, etc. If if user conferences is part of your marketing strategy,
1: I um, am very very bullish on in person meetings. I think that they're very important, and uh, especially for for customers, when you meet them in person, you form a different kind of relationship. If you always see them on Zoom, in in especially in SaaS, we do a lot of events. Uh, We do at least, I don't know, a few events per month that involve our customers and their local events where we invite uh, them to all sorts of experiences. We haven't done one where thousands of people attend yet because I don't feel that I've yet cracked the right format to bring so many people together and yet keep the brand values in a way that resonates with me. Typically, when you go to some of these massive conferences, you put your badge on, you kind of feel confused. There's so many booths, there's so many tracks that you're supposed to go to. There's so many dinners, so many happy hours. And I don't feel that experience aligns with how, um, I want to, um, to run this kind of conference, unless I find the format where I know that indeed, I can represent the values of the brand nicely, then I'll do it. Even for for company trip, when we were uh, 30 of us, it was a lot more intimate. Last time we did it um, in Tulum, we were 100 and something people there. And it was already, I felt like it was already hard to get that uh nice uh, feeling we uh, did cabanas we didn't do this massive marriott or something like that we did these small cabanas on the beach and uh, it was really really beautiful and the experience was amazing we managed to do the right kind of atmosphere the right kind of events i don't know that i can do that with a massive uh, conference with a thousand people so, but i'm still thinking about uh best way uh, if if i can if i crack it i'll do it <laughs>
0: Okay. If, if you ever want to talk about uh, if, um, uh, chat conferences, we, we we can do that. Maybe in Dublin. Um, uh, moving on to the quick fire, uh, quick fire-ish uh, sort of round. Um, uh, what one thing has moved the needle the most for Chili Piper to date?
1: In the past uh, year, obviously, uh, for us, uh, it's a combination of things. It's a combination of uh, hiring uh, the right people in the right spots for from taking putting the energy behind the right um motions to have the intended effect but if i was to just name one thing that make the most impact for us for sure it's uh it's the people i i I don't know companies are made of people Uh, people are the most important thing we spend a lot of time to make sure that uh our team has all the resources for growth. We uh, have more coaches per employees than Google does to ensure that that's going on. And uh, we invest a lot on, on career trajectory, on um, skill sets, growth, on people finding their center of excellence for their, um, for their interests. And uh, we do a lot more than any other company that I know on that, uh, in that side.
0: Great stuff. Um, What's the best advice you've ever received?
1: Uh, It was from my mom (laughs) when I was uh, young in high school and I was feeling that everybody around me was a lot smarter than I was. And I felt like I could never surpass their intelligence and that I felt I was very limited in my uh, potential for growth. And she said that I have to uh, give myself uh, a little bit more credit and a little bit more patience when I see a big gap in my understanding of the world and others um, and just um, be more patient with myself
0: good, good advice indeed, and um, yeah, thanks mum for uh, for that <laughs> uh, um what is the hardest thing about being a co-CEO? I was going to say, like you can answer this as the hardest thing about being a CEO or a co-CEO. I don't mind.
1: It's nonstop. It never ends. It starts at 6am. It goes on until 2am and it's weekends. It's nonstop. And it's non-stop hard problems to solve. You're always going to get the one that gets all the urgent things that are happening. And, um, conflicts that you might need to solve for, and uh, sometimes you have very little information to make that decision and you have to make a decision really, really fast. So it's quite intense. And I think that if one doesn't fully love it and feels fully invested in in the mission, I think it's really impossible to break through it and then sustain that level of intensity most sane people give up because they're sane <laughs> but the insane ones <laughs> are going to put up with it uh, if they really love it
0: no definitely um not naming names but um i know somebody that started a bit, a business sort of recently and you know it, it's not a passion for them it's not you know something that they love and, and therefore you can kind of really see that in terms of the amount of effort and that they kind of put into it um you know versus obviously somebody that where he kind of lives and breathes the the mission and is really kind of passionate and it it doesn't really despite the long and hard hours, if you if you have that and you are passionate about the mission, it doesn't really become work, right? It's just kind of life and you, you enjoy what you're doing and gives you that energy to do the long hours, right? So, um, That's right. Still mean like C- CEOs and other people can still burn out from doing all these uh, sort of long hours. So t- tell me a little bit about then your daily routine and, and like how uh, or, or what do you do like to kind of help like optimize for, for being a, a CEO uh, within your daily routine?
1: Probably my days look a lot different than anybody's else's days. And uh, probably because I'm so motivated to build Chili Piper to uh, its potential where I think it can grow. I uh, don't spend any time ever. I, I don't think I've watched any movie in the past six years, so I don't spend any time on TV or Netflix. I don't spend, um, much time, uh, socializing. So I don't have much of a social life. And instead I, um, not, not that I am completely a, a hermit, but I compared to what, what I would be, uh, potentially doing, I, I, I do very little of that. I also. Um, don't encourage this to anybody. It's just something that has worked for me. I only eat once a day, so I don't spend time uh, cooking or cleaning up. I also don't cook myself. I don't enjoy it. And, um, that saves me a lot of time because I see that people think about the prep, they think about what to eat and they uh, spend a lot of time on that. Again, I don't recommend this is what works for me. Fasting has helped my, uh, my mental clarity. Um, mm-hmm so as a result i have many many hours in the day to just think about the business but i also have kids and i want to make the most of the time that i have with them at this beautiful age they're so so cute um so i would say that from the time i wake up until the time i go to sleep uh, it's all um work related things and especially since i have my husband uh, we talk about it when we drive we talk about it uh, before we go to sleep we talk about all sorts of things and uh, the time when the kids are not at school, I try to make most of that time to to be with them.
0: And thank thank you for sharing that. Uh, uh, is your typical day then, is it starting at, at 6 and, and does it end at 2 a.m. every night? Or do you have uh, some nights where you're going to bed, I don't know, at 10 or 11 or something like
1: that? I, I try to get like a normal amount of sleep uh, somewhere between 6 or 8 hours if I can. It's a lot harder when the baby keeps waking you up and uh,
0: uh,
1: you have... Uh, depending on where they are on the growth of so sports in the past couple of years i've had very inconsistent sleep because of that but i do try to get six to eight hours of sleep so i try to go to sleep somewhere around 10 and try to wake up at six but with a lot of wakings in between and uh, i always try to get in uh, sports without sports i think i would be completely bananas <laughs> and uh, i spend at least four hours or f- sometimes five hours a week to uh, Getting, make sure that I get my body in, in, in a strong position to be able to resist all the things that are being thrown at me.
0: Great stuff. And, uh, and, and so, uh, what is, what is it now? Maybe it's like 50 days or so. Um, but, uh, October 18th and 19th, yourself, Nicholas, and I think your, your two young boys are, are coming over to Dublin. Um, I think they're not speaking, uh, at SASTOP but you and Nicholas are um or we could get them to speak if uh, if they're up for it but Definitely um <laughs> and have, have the whole family on stage but um so you're coming over what do you know what you'll be speaking about yet so, uh, and also what are you looking forward to about the uh, the conference coming over to dublin for sastop
1: Uh, I I can't wait to meet uh, the entrepreneurs in Europe. There are a lot of things that they're doing that the US uh, counterparts are not, and I look forward to learning from them, especially from the growth uh, hacking type of uh, community. They're doing super interesting things. I um, am going to go on stage with my co-founder, with Nicola, and we're going to uh, go deeper into some of the learnings that we've had in our journey. His learnings were a little bit different than mine because we were all at different times in our lives. Uh, but we want to share some of the things that uh, transformed us and made us able to get to uh, that uh, unicorn uh, status and uh, how we went about it
0: amazing well really looking forward to that and, uh, uh, and meeting you both in person i think i 'm pretty sure i 've met Nicholas um, before in person um, but uh, but yourself uh, uh, that 's not the case we 're looking forward to seeing you in the family and uh, and Sassock, appreciate you. Making the trip, hopping over the pond uh, for that. So you said that you uh, you don't really watch or you haven't watched a film in six years. You don't watch Netflix. Um, I'm assuming you you may uh, do a bit of reading then in in its place. Uh, what is your either favourite business book or or favourite book? And what are you currently reading that you can share um, with the with the audience?
1: I read a lot. That I do. I read a lot on topics that I'm. Interested in and on a learning uh, journey to. Uh, I'm, I'm always learning about uh, new things, and, and this reading is very important for me. I the way I, I read books is I put earbuds and I close my eyes and I try to fall asleep and most of the times I fall asleep like 30 minutes into the audiobook, and I listen to the audiobook maybe twice or three times the speed. So it's very interesting how uh, the brain processes it. But um, one of the most impactful book, books for me that has translated also into our brand and to the work that we do in our company, in our foundation, is a book that was written by Marshall Rosenberg, and it's called non Communication. And the reason why it had, was so impactful for me is because it teaches people how to speak up when they have a problem that they may have, be afraid to speak up again, uh, uh, about especially to their managers, especially to the company. And that is so important in a company to have that trust that people can speak up about problems so that you can take action and fix them instead of them lingering and and then staying there for too long. And secondly, because it teaches people to have a very uh, productive discussion when they feel very differently and have very opposing views about subjects that might be very sensitive for them. And uh, you can see that that's what breaks. Uh, companies, that's what breaks relationships, that's what starts wars. And uh, it's such an important uh, skill to have. It's not taught in school, it's not taught anywhere. And this book outlays some of the tool sets that can be uh, u- used for, for this kind of uh, crucial conversation. And I think it's hyper important. We're doubling down, we're training, we uh, ship the book to our employees. We uh, give them a day off to read it. Um, it's uh, it's, fundament- uh, it's foundation to, to our culture and to our work.
0: Awesome. Thanks, thanks for sharing. I've heard of it, but never read it myself. So I, I need to get it on the list and, uh, and, and, and read that at some point soon. Uh, final question. Where can people find you and Chilly Piper online?
1: I'm on a content creation journey, so I'm going to be found on many platforms. On TikTok, less successful. I think I only have 49 followers. Um, on Instagram, I spend time talking about my family and our boys. Uh, and on LinkedIn, I spend the most time talking about what are the, some of the things that I'm finding through the week uh, as uh, drivers for me or as learnings. Um, so that uh, I can give back to, to the people that follow me uh, within a professional setting as well.
0: Good stuff. Well, keep going on TikTok and follow Alina on TikTok <laughs> uh, if you're listening and like this, uh, th- this podcast, which I'm sure uh, you did. Well, uh, Alina Vandenberg, uh, co-founder co-CEO of Chili Piper. Thank you so much for being on the SaaS Revolution show and sharing with the SaaS.com community. Really looking forward to seeing you uh, in October at SaaS.com 2022. Um, thank you so much, Alina.
1: Thank you, Alex.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaS conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasdoc.com.